April 2022, Pink Floyd drummer Nick Mason is back in Ireland. It's a long time since I've been here. Yeah, it has been a long time since you've been here. Um, has anybody been stopping you and annoying you, or have you been left alone? Uh, sadly, left alone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? When uh, I go see you guys tomorrow, it's my first show in two years. The last one was The Who in London. Uh, which was Valentine's Day 2020. I've not been out because of COVID, uh, even though we've had a few shows come back. So uh, what about you? Has it been weird times the last couple of years? Well, definitely. I mean, the last time I played to an audience, I think, was March 2020. Yes. Uh, There was a big charity event at the O2 that that had been organised, and we had no idea of what was about to happen. Uh, but that was really the end of it. And the rest, last two years, I've spent rescheduling tours and then cancelling them and then rescheduling again. Are you doing a lot of this yourself now, or do you have people? Well, I have people. Right, I do okay. Have people. But, okay. But to some extent, it, this is not Pink Floyd 200 Road Crew. This is... <laughs> <laughs> Nick Mason doing his own catering. (laughs) (laughs) What sort of stuff do you serve up as Nick Mason catering? (laughs) Sandwiches. (laughs) All the way, all the way. Well, do you know what? It must be nice, though, to be back doing it. And um, thank you for coming into Ireland and and giving us a go on on this leg. Do you know what? This is not a small tour, though. I mean, you've got a heap of dates across the UK, across Europe, across North America. Does it feel... You know, and I don't mean this with any disrespect. Does it feel at the age, and as long as you've been doing this, that that's a big old stretch, or are you excited about it? I think the <clears throat> the answer is both. Mm. Um, there is that slight sense that you know, do it now, or one may never get round to doing it at all. And I do enjoy the whole thing. I mean, I love playing with these guys, uh, and um, yeah, once so once you start, you might might as well keep going. Do you like keep yourself super match fit? What what, what is the, a daily regime for you? You know when you're on the road and it's as, as hectic as that. Um, no, I don't have a, uh, a sort of match fit um, thing at all. What uh, tends to happen though is quite honestly, if you're playing drums for two or three hours a night and doing a warm up and maybe doing a sound check. Um, it's it's actually quite a lot of physical exercise. It's, it's a big old workout. I, I don't know how you do it. I really don't. For those who are kind of, oh yeah, there's Nick Mason, the drummer of Pink Floyd, um, saucer full of secrets. For those who don't know and might be kind of going, what's he doing now? What's this all about in your words in a nutshell? Um, well, in a, quite a large nutshell, um, it's really a band that's been put together uh, just by, in the, in the old style of, of friends agreeing that it would be fun to do something. And the something is to play Pink Floyd music prior to Dark Side of the Moon. Um, because there's a, a whole range of songs and music there that people are less familiar with. Uh, certainly uh, a younger audience, maybe start with Dark Side and move on from there. So this is everything we did before Dark Side. Um, and it's a, a wonderfully mixed bag of musos playing. Lee Harris, who was with the, uh, the Blockheads, um, Don Beacon, who was, uh, or still is, the Orb, uh, uh, Guy Pratt, who's 
worked with nearly everyone, including Madonna and Michael Jackson. And, and, and um, you guys, Pink Floyd. And Pink Floyd, of course, yes. And um, Gary Kemp from Spandau Ballet. I have to say, out of all of those heads, he was the most surprising to get involved in this, in, in, <laughs> in my eyes. Yeah, but it, it's interesting because, of course, he's a, a very good musician. And um, the fact that he's in one band doesn't mean he can't absolutely adapt to something else. But there's a lot of music snobbery around things like that, isn't there? It's like, oh, well, you know, he's, you know, a new waver and he's this, that and the other. But <laughs> it's, it's fantastic to see him out giving it socks to all of these really classic Pink Floyd tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's terrific. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that he's such a heavy influence that we've all become new romantics. <laughs> <laughs> You're never tempted to throw gold into the set list, no. <laughs> no, no. It's a great song, but it just doesn't quite fit. Doesn't qu- no, it really doesn't. I mean, you stick that alongside uh, one of these days or whatever, and it's just going to stick out, isn't it? Do you know what? <laughs> Funnily enough, when we did speak all those years ago, I remember asking you at the time, for you personally, what was the most enjoyable period of Pink Floyd and you mentioned this time period Saucer Full of Secrets and it was no surprise to me then when you did come back out that you were calling it Saucer Full of Secrets I mean obviously in your head that still rings through it's still a very important time for you personally Uh, Yes I think it is because I think the Saucer period was the transition from Sid to the band taking taking over really and um, I, I think it was it, it was finding ourselves and finding ourselves in, in a, a sort of new form and unexpected, really. I, I think, you know, it's something that's been seen before. The, the best example of all being Genesis when yeah. Peter left and Phil just sort of stepped in and you wouldn't have anticipated that. And I don't think we anticipated that. Does... Does Roger have any issues with you being out there doing this stuff now? I know he played with you back in New York uh, a few years ago and things like that, but d- does he ever throw a spanner in the works going, well, I co-wrote loads of those, what am I getting out of this? Uh, no, uh, he does I think, um, I don't think this treads on anyone's toes, uh, in particular uh, Roger. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to upset him. And I think... Uh, if anything, if he's a co-writer, he shares in <laughs> there is some uh, some money that comes in from it anyway. But I really don't think Roger is too worried about sort of what went on 50 years ago. Uh, he's far more engaged with his own new material. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Speaking of new material, my God, man, you surprised the world last week um, when you dropped new Pink Floyd music, the first in nearly 30 years. What did that feel like? Um, a, <laughs> recording again and putting it out under Pink Floyd. Hey, hey, rise up. Uh, I think I'm as surprised as uh, everyone else, really. <laughs> um it, it was an extraordinary thing to do, because, uh, and I have to say it was really David who, who led on this completely, uh, with, with good reason. He actually has some um, Ukrainian uh, family. Yeah, his, and, his, what is it? His, his daughter-in-law is Ukrainian and his grandkids are half Ukrainian, right? Right, exactly. Um, but he, what he did was uh, technically really interesting, where he 
took the uh, the vocal part, which had been sung a cappella earlier uh, in the Ukraine, um, and then managed to put a, a, a click track underneath it that meant that we could then um, we could then play a, a backing track for this for the piece. Mm. So it it was pretty smart. I thought it really worked. Oh my goodness, the, the the images and the video and things like that quite harrowing and very now. And but oh, if I can leave the horror aside and just focus on the music, which you know, which is a terrible thing to say, but for the world to get new Pink Floyd music and for it to take a war to make this happen how how does how does that make you feel um well it's always it it's always delightful it's it's a really nice thing to make music and uh, if you can release it and get it to a large audience that makes it even better i i think yeah do, is the, is there still unfinished business then between you guys? Do you think, or is it this? This is kind of the once off. I, I know everyone's going to ask you that question. Yeah, I think I think this is a one off. I mean, I think to start teasing people by saying, "Oh, well, maybe this could be the beginning of Reformation or whatever," unlikely. Yeah, and, yeah, and probably unwise to even go down that route. No, for sure. Um, I, I I totally get that. Now this is the Echoes tour. Are we going to get Echoes in all of its glory? Uh, well, I, of course, <clears throat> until tomorrow, it's a uh, possible surprise. <laughs> but I think it is. I, assuming we remember the parts, yeah. uh, I certainly hope so. Is, is is that difficult? Because there is so these tracks are very complex. There's an awful lot going on in there. Um, how hard is that? Seriously, you know, for okay, a, a, a drummer you can go by feel, I guess, if needs be, you know. But uh, for the rest of the guys to remember those parts, do you think that is is there a struggle? Is there ever a look on stage of God? I've I've made a hames of that. Sorry. Oh yeah, but uh, that's part of the joy of it is to make the mistake and then um, blame someone else. <laughs> Audience uh, didn't or, notice. Or, Keep going. Or music, you know work around it. I mean, there will be mistakes, but there will also be opportunities to play things in a slightly different way. You know, sometimes the the, the error can actually be an improvement on something. So I think the thing is to take a fairly relaxed view of it. I mean, the guys are accomplished musicians. They're used to learning parts and, and uh, then playing them. Listen, lovely to talk to you again. And can I just say, as a fan, um, as a Pink Floyd fan, thank you for everything. It's been magic. Very welcome. Thank you.